Welcome to Stay Grounded with your host, me, Raj Jana. I'm the founder of Java Press Coffee Company, and my life changed after my mentor died with three months left until retirement. That experience inspired me to start a personal journey to discover how we can all live a purpose-driven and meaningful life starting today. I interview everyone from best-selling authors and business moguls to extreme athletes and monks to discuss happiness, success, and fulfillment to uncover powerful takeaways that empower you to stay grounded and make passionate living a reality. To access post-podcast discussions, insights, and further resources, visit rajjana.com forward slash stay grounded. So thanks for joining me today. Now, let's get to grinding. Yo, yo, what's up, everyone? And welcome to this beautiful episode with my two dearest friends, Trey Stinnett and Grace Stinnett. These Stinnetts. Um, okay, where do I start with Trey and Grace? So let's just start with the work stuff. So they are the founders of the Academy for Conscious Entrepreneurs. And they help entrepreneurs create more flow in their lives and businesses so they can spend more time with the people they love. And um, I met Trey years ago in Austin, but we really got to go deeper, both Trey and Grace. Uh, We really deepened our friendship when we began doing a lot of healing work together. We would meet up every month talk through our deepest triggers. We would hold space for each other in a group setting. And in that time period, I got to know them in a very intimate way. And most importantly, I got to witness the just the powerful parents that they were. I've had the privilege of, of seeing a lot of very beautiful styles of parenting over the last few years where you know, parents are bringing in more consciousness at a very, very, very young age and empowering their kids to look at the world through a lens of more love, more compassion, and very different than what I would say a conventional parenting style would look like. And in this episode, I was really excited to actually go deeper into Trey and Grace's parenting style. I was very excited to actually examine the role that doing the inner work and working to heal your traumas and liberate yourself from conditioning that is not authentically who you really are, how all of these principles actually lead to just empowerment for kids, empowerment for young adults, empowerment for anybody to truly actually step into life and thrive and use all the things happening around you as data points and feedback for personal evolution. And it was just such a beautiful conversation. You know, Trey and Grace are practitioners and devout advocates for a personality profile called Wealth Dynamics, which I can vouch for as one of the most powerful personality profiles I've taken on my entrepreneurial path. But immersing Wealth Dynamics with human design with several other frameworks and mental models, I just really appreciate how Trey and Grace have integrated so many different philosophies into their own unique style of parenting and how that is not only changing the lives of their kids, but also informing the way that they build their businesses, informing the way that they inspire others to integrate life, love, business, healing, and everything into a 
conscious path for living your best life and leaving your best legacy behind. And um, I just love this conversation. I love both Trey and Grace, and I cannot wait for all of you to learn from the brilliance that is them. So check them out. They're on active on social media. I will tag them in my social media posts. They're also the founders of the Academy of Conscious Entrepreneurs, that is joinace.org. And if you're not already subscribed to the podcast, go ahead and do so. Next week, I will be releasing a very special episode for my 250th episode of Stay Grounded and really actually trampolining the podcast into a whole new, not new direction, but a very true direction to just a very true direction to me. So uh, subscribe to the podcast. And without further ado, here is the most amazing Mr. and Mrs. Trey and Grace Stinnett. Enjoy. Yo, 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 what is up, everyone? And welcome to this week's episode of Stay Grounded. Oh, Trey. Oh, Grace. I know. Oh, Trey and Grace. I know. Where do we even start? I don't know. Maybe with how much we love each other. <laughs> I think that would be the only way to start, as far as I'm concerned. Both of you are arguably two of my favorite humans that I just adore to pieces. And it is just so much fun to watch you both shine the way you both shine. And I'm so grateful to have you here. Oh my gosh, this is going to be such a fun conversation. We're excited, man, for Mm -hmm. sure. Yeah, I was going to say same. It's so fun to, it's been so fun to watch you. Oh my gosh, just both of our journeys all along the way, all the different points of intersection. Yeah, you're such a mirror for me too, right? There's just so much of myself that I see in you and so much of what you're doing that inspires me. So I'm just, I'm grateful and appreciative to even be here, man. So thanks for. Ah, Gosh, man, just dropped in. Okay. Well, I'd love to one, just start with, there's so many places we can start entrepreneurship, family, but I think the thread of it all, we were talking about this before we hit the record button is this concept of flow. So maybe before we get started, I'd love to define the word flow. What does flow mean in your world as a definition? And let's set that container and then just go from there. Cool. Yeah, I think that's a perfect place to start, Trey. So for me, you know, we define flow as the path of least resistance. It's an experience of life unfolding. It is uh, that timelessness. It is when life is kind of feels like it's just going along the way it should. And there's almost kind of like a natural feel to it. Oftentimes the best way to define something is to find its opposite. And I think that the opposite of flow is, is grind. It's feeling stuck. It's confusion. It's a lack of clarity. Whereas flow is, is the opposite of all of that it really is that flowering. Is that, is that how you would say? It? Yeah. And I think over the years too, working with so many people and having so many conversations like framing not being in flow as really helpful as it's like communicating to you something that you need to know. And so being aware of that and looking for that when you're in flow and when you're not in flow, not again, not as a bad and wrong, but like, oh, hey, this is an indicator that I need to take a look at this and make some changes because flow, yeah, is my natural state. What does taking a look at things when when you're not in flow actually mean? So for me, it's like 
you think about being versus doing, right? We can be in a state of being and be present and be fulfilled and be here. And through that being, we're naturally doing things. Whereas oftentimes we get so focused on the doing, maybe we get into like a lot of resistance and we're just trying to force and push things through. I'm, I'm an entrepreneur. I have been since I was 13. We grew up in the same city, but had very different experiences. You and I, I grew up on the, like the side of Houston refinery town. Forget and about that. My, my dad owned an auto shop and I watched him like really force all the time, try and make things happen, make things happen, make things happen. To me, that's the being out of flow is when it's not just natural, but it's having to be forced. And there's so many downsides to being in that energy. But if you don't know, you don't know. There's like this, like, well, I think that's the thing. You don't know, you don't know. Like most people are swimming in water without realizing they're swimming in water. And it's this until you see an example of somebody in flow. I remember even seeing people like actually a few months ago, I had a a mentor who like, called me out for efforting too much. And it kind of pissed me off because I was like, it's easy for you to say because you're so successful. Da-da-da, you've gotten there. You had to hustle to get there. And my mind didn't even want to recognize this ease that can exist. And what's so interesting about both of you is I actually see the way you embody this message, not just in business and entrepreneurship, but in your family life, in your personal life. Like, How does this concept of flow actually translate into all the different aspects of your life? And and how do you cultivate it, I guess, as a practice? Oh, gosh. I think it permeates everything. And I think I'm so grateful for my life and for everything in it and for my kids. And like, I just, I want to experience everything that I can, like, kind of to the max. That's kind of how I would describe it. And so when things aren't feeling right or things aren't working, it's, you know, having that like growth mindset, something that we teach the kids, like, okay, there's something that we can do about this. There's something that we can shift, like literally just being really real. I have hired a parenting coach and people would say that we're parenting goals. Like we're incredible parents, like but we sometimes, (laughs) but we need help. And I think that that's one reason why we are great parents, but we've, we just had like multiple breakdowns with our, our youngest over the past few days. And I'm like, it's time to re up with our parenting coach. Like I need help. And so I don't know what, I think that's just like a really real world example. Maybe you could get more of like the, the high level. (laughs) When you, when you talk about the idea of cultivating a state of flow. A few things come up for me. The first is in a way it's kind of like a Zen koan, right? It's not a practical, Oh, do X get Y. It's a question that through asking it reveals the answer to you. How do I find flow? How do I return to flow? Where is the flow? Why do I want flow? And so it's really about making flow the goal instead of the outcomes of flow, the goal. And so if you think about the flow state, Nihai Chik sent me high's book flow or the work that they've done at the flow genome project. It's this peak state that you can get into. And they, you know, the neurohackers look at all the brainwave stuff. It's beyond my pay grade, but understanding that there's that kind of, okay, I can get into flow by jumping out of an airplane, playing music, doing something I'm amazing at. My daughter <laughs> said to me this morning, my youngest, mm-hmm. she goes, oh I know how to get into the flow. I was like, you do. <laughs> and she said, when I do gymnastics, cause that's my home. 
right? So she gets it. Like when I'm doing the things that bring me flow, that's how I get into flow. But it's really by being the person who wants to show up in that way. She wants to do gymnastics. She doesn't necessarily want to get to some goal. As soon as it starts becoming about the goal, sometimes we lose the flow. And so to cultivate flow, I think the the primary thing is to make that the goal. When I stopped making business about money, when I stopped making relationship about, you know, getting something from and instead just made it about how do we be in a state of peace and abundance? How do we be in flow? Then the answers reveal themselves to me over and over and over again in each specific moment. So can you, uh, you just said something really awesome. You said peace and abundance, and then you said flow. Like it's almost like peace and abundance or flow. What are some other words that you would kind of put into this like this macro big bucket word flow, what are like the, the words, the feeling states, the aspects of flow that make up flow? Ease, grace, serendipity, right? That timelessness. You know, I actually have two yeah. tattoos. Yeah, let's show the um, tattoos. <laughs> I got this one here, which you kind of see it says surrender. Mm-hmm. That started with ayahuasca. It's a whole other story we can get into if you want. And then this one, which is discipline. Now, coming from my Western world, joining the Marine Corps when I was 18, going to military school, all of that, the word surrender wasn't really like a word that you use or or even embody, right? But there's a spiritual side to this idea of allowing. And you can allow, and when a when a charged up A-type personality like me, you know, trained by my father and my culture, learns how to surrender, we can find flow. But on the flip side, if you're not from that paradigm and flow, I'm sorry, if surrender is already something that you maybe do too much of, and you're just like laying around and not trying to do anything, there's a lot of people that are trying to get you to be more disciplined. And so like, oh, discipline, we got to get up at five o'clock in the morning. We've got to do the morning routine. We got to push, push, push. Willpower. Willpower. And so the reason I have two tattoos is because neither one is right and neither one is wrong, right? It's, it's like the yin and the yang. At the intersection of discipline and surrender is flow. Well, and there's a... Uh a level of listening that you have to cultivate in order to know where you're at in that, like what you need, what's actually going to bring you into flow. Like how do you, maybe Grace, I'd love to hear, like how do you listen to that balance? Like how do you know what you need based on where you're at? Like, is there a voice you're listening to? Is there an intuitive guide? Is there is there other goals, posts, or signs that you set up so that you know where you're at on your journey of being in optimal flow? Hmm. <laughs> well, I can't. So it's kind of hard to answer this question without bringing up a Wealth Dynamics, a tool that we use. And I'm a supporter profile in Wealth Dynamics. And the way that supporters, their like genius question or their super question is who. And it's really funny because I like constantly think in who, like if I have a challenge, if I want to figure something out, if I need help, like I'm always thinking in who can help me with this? Who knows the answer? Who can I talk to? So I think it really depends on the person. And for me, I'm always reaching out to guides or coaches Trey, I think like we help each other a lot. Like I remember like my greatest guide over here. Oh, for sure. That's my rock over here. So I remember like last year I was 
I was feeling so drained and I was feeling so out of flow and I was explaining to him and it's so hard to see the ingredients from the inside of the bottle, you know? And so I was laying it all out and he was like, oh, you're just doing a lot of work right now. That's not in your flow. That's not in your genius. And I was like, so I think it, it depends on what type of person you are and how you like to solve problems. Cause for me, it's always talking with someone, getting in connection with someone, getting out of my head. And then of course, I don't know, the cliche answer, meditation, a hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, it's beautiful. And I'm glad you brought up wealth dynamics for anyone listening. Wealth dynamics is one of the most powerful personality tests I've ever taken and has guided a lot of my own entrepreneurial journey. Trey and Grace are like masters at wealth dynamics and teach it all over the world. But I'm actually really interested because I, one, Trey, how do you, okay, so like if grace is the who, how do you handle, like what's the word for you that comes up when it comes to like accountability with flow? Yeah, so again, coming back to wealth dynamics, it's what, right? So I'm a creator, which means my super question is what? It's the question I'm the best at answering. It's the best question I'm best at asking. And so for me, it's a ton of frameworks, So like, I think in general, the reason so many people experience pain in their lives, whether it's physical, emotional, relational, spiritual pain is because we're conditioned to not be ourselves. Since we're this big, we go to school, they put us in a group based off of geography and age and say, okay, you should all be the same, get the same grades, move at the same level, study the same subjects, excel in the same ways. And if we're bad in one area, that's what we're supposed to focus on instead of really identifying what makes us unique and then leaning into that and developing that and and really nurturing and allowing that to blossom. And so we both, but me definitely are just completely obsessed with frameworks, completely obsessed with understanding mental models, because if I can begin to understand who I am, then I can begin to stop doing the things that are not for me and are not me. You know, so much of of our desires are culturally programmed desires. So much of the things we want, money, fame, women or men or whatever you're looking for, oftentimes when you really start doing the work, you realize, huh, some of that's not me. And so for me, it's it's multifaceted. Part of it is archetypal. So, okay, well, well, who am I? Wealth Dynamics says there's eight different types of people. And if you understand which of those eight you are, there's a certain path to wealth but it's a lot deeper than that. It's not just wealth. There's a certain path to communication. There's a certain path to collaboration. Okay. When I look at human design, okay, well, according to human design, there's, you know, four different aura types. And then that breaks down into a lot of uniqueness. And so having different coaches and models and things that I study that help me kind of understand who I am really removes a lot of the things I shouldn't be doing. And I think that's probably the biggest gift that we have for people is not adding more into their lives to do, mm-hmm. but rather helping them recognize how much of their time and mental energy and capacity is being just wasted on all the things that are not going to put them into flow. And so while we kind of started this conversation with the more, how do I do it in the moment? I think that a lot of the heavy lifting, probably 80% of it can be done by simply recognizing what's my archetype. And then the other 20% you're hacking away at by really understanding individually how am I acting in a trauma response from things that happened in my childhood or in my early adulthood? Okay, let me hack away at that. Okay, great. Now that I'm in this moment, what's going to put me into flow? And so having that base to really rely on, my kids know their human design profiles. They know their spiral dynamics consciousness levels. They know their wealth dynamics profiles. Mm -hmm. They know how to listen to their bodies. All of these tools that we use 
we also teach to our kids because it's the whole family being in flow. That's the goal, not, not just money or our relationship. It's got to be the whole thing or we're still not quite really aligned and in the zone. Yeah, I think I think I really love the concept of deconditioning, which is a word that I guess primarily we got from human design, but it applies to all of it, it applies to it, we've realized like it applies to so much of what we do and like the stress, anxiety, overwhelm, just not understanding your own purpose, not understanding your own value, like all of that stuff can, like you said, can be understood through such a different lens when we understand who we really are. And like, there's actually ancient directions and blueprints and frameworks that we can learn. Like we don't have to just trial and error so much. There's actually so much information and tools. Yeah. That continue to, to grow your self-awareness. What I'm curious about is especially with your kids, one, both your kids are magic. I adore them to pieces. And well, one of the things I, I, I'm curious just as parents, like, you know, it's one thing for adults to learn these frameworks and decondition, right? And then it's another thing for children to sort of start with frameworks. Like, how do you balance like telling your kids, this is how you are. This is how you are based on this framework with allowing them to actually find themselves and create that identity for themselves. Like it's really interesting because I actually don't know a lot of parents that start their children this early on with the different profiles. And so I'm curious, like your perspectives on that and what you've learned on that journey. Yeah. That's a super great question. You, you want to start? You could. Okay. I mean, I'm happy to dive in at any time, but you go, you I go always first. love your perspective on the parenting stuff. You go first and I'll add. So I think the main thing is we don't want to confine them right? And oftentimes that which defines us confines us, right? And so what we look for is how can your current experience be understood? And if the best way to understand this experience is through a framework, then let's use the framework. So for example, we have no idea, Evangeline, my youngest, we don't know her wealth dynamics profile, right? Because she's she's still developing who she is. Mm -hmm. And personality profiles maybe are part nature, but Definitely nurture plays a role in that. And so as they grow, they're going to be more becoming. Human design, however, makes the claim that it's from birth, right? And and I had resistance to this in the beginning because it's based off of astrological data and I have a very Western science mind. But eventually I recognized that if I really want to have a science mind, that means using the scientific method myself, doing an experiment. Does it work? Right. If I actually try on being a manifesting generator and responding rather than trying to initiate, does it ring true for me? And so for the the children, one's a manifesting generator, the other's a manifester. The way they go to sleep, the way that they eat, the way that they talk, the way that they react, all of it that we read is like, oh, that totally aligns with our observation of our children. And so because of that, when we are working with them, we can explain, oh, your sister is different from you, not because she's wrong, but because Mm -hmm. she's unique. Mm-hmm. And you're different from her for the same reasons, right? And so that differentiation allows us to not get so frustrated when one of them wants to eat at 11 o'clock at night uh, and takes an hour and a half to go to sleep, or when the other one has to immediately yell whenever there's any sort of emotional discomfort and the other one just gets blue, like we understand those differences. And so it really just changes the way that we parent and how we react more so than trying to say, hey, because you're this, you should that. Mm-hmm. 
yeah. right? Instead, it's here's a way to understand and a lens through which to to really get that. And I think the last part on that would be the levels of consciousness, right? And so we're big fans of Claire Graves' work with Sproul Dynamics or Ken Wilber's work with Integral Theory and understanding that there's levels of, of consciousness development that start from the day you're born and last into your elder years. And knowing where our kids are at consciously also helps us filter out certain conversations and like hold back certain information until we know they're at a rational or pluralistic level of consciousness and understanding so that we can introduce the right ideas in a, at a time when it really can be received from the child. And we're not just treating them like they're adults ready to receive all of the information all at once, just downloaded into their brains. So that, that's really what stands out for me. What would you add to that? Yeah, I think to open another layer is that as humans, we can, especially children, we can judge so much. We can make assumptions. We can not understand what's different. And so by understanding each of our uniqueness and understanding their own uniqueness, we can help them understand other people. And so like, it's so powerful when you, if you get made fun of at school for something, or if someone is doing something at school that you don't understand, we can filter it through all of these different lenses. And so I think it really fosters empathy, understanding, like, can you explain that? They're very clear on trauma response. Like I can remember Cozy when she was probably like five or six, some kid was kind of bullying her, so to speak, as much as a six or seven year old can bully. And she was just like, I know that hurt people hurt people. Yeah. And she's like, just got that at such a young age. She said to me a few months ago, she's like, dad, I, I really, I actually said it, said it to one of my friends and my friend came and told me, you know what your daughter just said to me? She goes, I feel like if Hitler would have been loved more as a child, he wouldn't have done what he did. Like being aware of that when you're 10 is amazing. Just, just incredible. Yeah. Well, that's the the beauty of self-awareness work. When you start to see yourself through the lens of another, it's just, it's the biggest gift that you can give others. Right. Like I, and that's, what's so curious to me. Like when I, when I hear about your kids learning all of these frameworks for understanding self, it creates this incredible ripple effect on the way that they interact with others, but then that also creates this extra layer of how do they actually step into the uniqueness of who they are and own that and then be able to express it openly. We all have our own struggles. Like I just, you know, having all these breakdowns the past few days, like it's not always perfect. But one thing that I'm super proud of is that both of them, Cozy very much so she's older. We'll see how Evie develops, but they both are very embodied in who they are. Like their energy frequency, like their energy signature is very grounded. I don't quite know how to explain it, but people reflect it back to me. And I think that comes from understanding who they are, you know, we prioritize so much emotional intelligence, being able to have so much emotional vocabulary. And so they're very aware of themselves, like knowing their boundaries, letting people know, adults know what their boundaries are, like all of that ties into it. And so I think that's one thing I'm really proud of. I don't know if... You know, it's not like we're sitting our kids down and saying, all right, it's self-development school time, Yeah, (laughs) right? It's more that we foster an environment of being in a growth mindset always, right? Like when I was a kid, it was like, oh, my sister's good at math and I'm good at writing. Mm -hmm. 
just, it was like, you, you're good at something or you're not good at it rather than being, how can I be better at something? You know, what else is possible? You know, my daughter's struggling with math. Okay, cool. What do you want to focus on? Do you struggle with math forever? Or is that something that as you get older and you are, you know, more in control of, of rational thought and you're more in control of your focus, maybe math will get easier in the future. And so really just trying to keep them in a place of openness and possibility is what I believe allows their uniqueness to emerge and also not conditioning them. Now they're going to be conditioned to some point just naturally by society, by us, you know, we definitely condition them towards kindness. That is a thing. And so, you know, I'm aware of that, but I think the, the biggest thing to understand is that most people are doing deconditioning because they were so conditioned as kids. And so I see other children, you know, we live in Utah here and there's a that definite culture. And I see a lot of children who sometimes they're shy. They're sometimes they're afraid to be fully expressed. Um, and, you know, my youngest gets that way sometimes, but then I'll see Cosette, you know, shave the side of her head, make her own clothes, go out in the middle of a crowd and start dancing. And I'm like that right there. I don't want her to lose that. And so we're going to hop in an RV in three weeks and go to Burning Man, all four of us. And we're going to go experience even more of this just mass, you know, accumulation of uniqueness. And so I think the best way to help them really foster their own individuality is to see how unique other individuals can be and to not show them a homogenized culture, but instead introduce them over and over again to all of the different ways of being, show them travel, show them the world, show them differentiation. Well, what's beautiful is this is what you valued, right? Like at the end of the day, like you condition what you value and you're so clear on what you value and what you wish to see as the beautiful world that our hearts know is possible, right? In the worlds of Charles Einstein, like that's like, you feel it, you see it, you're embodying it yourself. And then as a result, it's an invitation for your children to step into that. And it's, I think that's what's so cool about when I witness both of you, you know, I've known you guys for years now, but it's been beautiful to watch you both do the inner work to understand who you are and then understand who you are for each other in relationship and then see that like translate into your kids. I mean, truly like your kids are just magic and, and unique in their own way and very bright. And, and I love the word embody that you used, Grace, because it's, it is like they're not disconnected from their bodies, which I think is what happens to most kids. They learn to be mean. They learn fear, which is in the mind, because they disconnect. And so even encouraging that connection is just so beautiful. And I think what the world needs more examples of kids that are connected to themselves, because that does create the the bridge to be, connect with others. What's fascinating is like just wondering what the future will be like because all of us were having to do all of this healing and deconditioning work. And I think it's also a, a symptom of the times that we're living in, the time period in humanity. But if you, there's so many kids right now who are being raised this way. And if you're being raised in a way where you're not disconnected from your body and you can work through because trauma is going to happen, but you can work through trauma, trauma closer to when it happened. And you can work through things with your parents, you know, your support system. What are these children's problems going to be? What are their limiting beliefs 
going to be. And we kind of all have the same ones, like perhaps, you know, like it's not that, but like the impact that they'll be able to make in the world and the world that they'll be able to create because of how they were raised and not having to I think that's every every so parent's much. wish. It's our yeah. dream. And and maybe not every, but most parents, generation after generation, it's how do we start the next generation off in a better place than we are? I mean, yeah. if you just think about it, a child in the 21st century, by the time they're 19 years old, can know trigonometry, can understand the periodic table, can have access to the types of information and knowledge that took thousands and thousands of years for our species to even come into you know receivership of we have given them such an incredible platform intellectually we've given them so much abundance the infrastructure all of the wealth that has been created in the world and now we're giving them more of an emotional platform we're giving them more self-awareness and so this is just the evolutionary story of humanity we're by no means special in this we just have put our flag out and caught the wave and caught the wind and we're moving along and we're sharing as much as possible with other families hey it doesn't have to be a way it was when you grew up, right? There's actually ways for there to be, you know, for me, I say peace and abundance. You nailed something earlier when you're talking about our values. Not everybody wants peace and abundance and that's okay. I want those things because void drives value. And when I was growing up, despite always having enough to survive, we were in that survival state. My whole family was in this like scarcity mentality. I've done some ancestral trauma work on this and it's like ubiquitous across my entire lineage, scarcity, scarcity, scarcity. And because so much being in our not self, right? My dad was a manifester living as a generator. You know, my mom was a generator trying to be a manifester. Just so many people not being themselves. There was so much, not hate, but just, just anger. There was so much explosion and frustration. And so peace and abundance are valuable to me because those were lacking, right? But I find them to be valuable in a lot of people's lives because in general, for a lot of people, those things are lacking. And that's why even though we've done so much work and so much study in so many areas, the place we choose to really help people is in their business and their wealth and their finances, because that was one of the biggest triggers in my family growing up. And I recognize yeah, that if, if people aren't as frustrated by their money, if they're not working 70 hours a week, well, then they can show up better for their family. They're not fuses ready to be lit at all mm-hmm. times. They're not distracted on their phones or laptops and they would really prefer to be with their family. And so really taking that part of our life that already represents you know, a third of our day and trying to get that piece in flow. That's where we've really made our stand, at least for this part of our life and this part of our story. So I feel like we're all having these same conversations. You know, Mike and I, uh, my business partner and I, we have a lot of conversations around kids and being able to like, what would happen in the moments where adversity showed up and those moments where life was hard. And if there was one, one belief that children took away, which is I have a choice to respond to this in a way that does not allow it to stay in me forever. That one awareness, I can regulate my nervous system to move this stuff through me. I'm allowed to cry when shit gets hard. I can say no thank you. I mean, these simple concepts in those moments that are hard change the course of an entire decade of therapy. It changes the the need for 
almost all of the work that you said it so beautifully, Trey, like the deconditioning work that we're all spending. I mean, I don't know if everybody's spending their time, but I certainly feel like the last five years for me, like I've thrown everything in the bathtub at deconditioning and learning to love myself and learning to really even discover what that means. Not because my parents didn't love me, but there's programming from society. There's programming from religion. Like even if you have perfect parents, you're still living in an imperfect world that is all conditioned to have you fit inside of a box that doesn't necessarily fit for you. And that's the piece that I think, I don't know, as I've been thinking more about this, like even the best parents I guess, how do you speak to that message of like, you know, you have your kids that you're doing your best, but at the end of the day, they are growing up in a world that isn't, isn't something that you can control, right? Like you can't create the environment for them. So like, what values are you instilling in them as they step into the world outside of your immediate circle of influence so that try and create the environment (laughs) like it's to an extent of course i think you actually mentioned it it's it's how do you respond okay so this thing happened how do we respond our daughters had a traumatic experience with being left home alone for a minute and we didn't know and it took us a while to really get on the same page and find out and then get somebody to the house and and so they took charge of the situation. They got a hold of an adult they trust. They made sure that they were safe. But then when we got home, it was how do we process this traumatic event, right? What are we going to do to release it? And so I'm trying like, hey, let's shake it out. And my daughter's like, no, I don't want to do that. I'm and then like, let's she, cry she's like, let's later. cry. And she's like, just broke down and just sobbed and bawled. And we're like, yeah, let it out, let it out, get it out. And so it's, it's not trying to control so much their entire life and the experiences that they'll have. Although the younger they are, the more in control we are of their life experiences and inputs. It's more, how do I respond? How do, how do I react in these situations? And if I don't do it right, how do I restore integrity? Yeah, right? How, how can I fix the relationship or fix the, the situation if, if I did come from an egoic place? And so really helping them navigate, I would say, when things do happen, what do I do? I think that is the best tool set I can give them rather than necessarily trying to control everything they experience. I think that's part of like integral parenting. And I, like I use that term in reference to like integral theory and spiral dynamics, but I have a hard time with certain things like cozy being 10 and growing up and having awarenesses and wanting to control their inputs. Like, Oh no, it once they like when Cozy found out about like the Holocaust, like that was really hard for me. Like they're just, they're growing up, they're becoming adults. Like I can't hide them from the world forever. I can't protect them forever. But what integral parenting helps me understand is that no matter what happens, we can talk about it, we can process it, we can, if I make a mistake, If I'm showing up in a way that I'm not proud of, great. This is a perfect opportunity for me to model to them how to apologize, how to restore integrity, how to have hard conversations. So no matter what happens, I can, for the most part, show up in that present moment with 
whatever needs to happen, what, however I need to show up and not worry about something going wrong or something being permanently messed up. Yeah, I was just thinking that like, there's so much fear of my life being ruined, right? Something happens and my child's life is Mm -hmm. ruined. Their future is destroyed. Mm -hmm. Like, and I think like that used to be a paradigm that I had that, oh, you know, you'd look at something really traumatic that happened in somebody's life. You know, like, oh man, I like that really sucks. If that happened to me, like my whole life would follow. And it's like teaching them that no matter what happens, it's not over teaching them that no matter what happens, no matter how bad things get or are right. We've got, we've, we have had so many conversations as adults. And I think that's the main takeaway here is it's not so much about the doing with parenting. It's more about the being as ourselves the trauma work that I do, I had a friend the other day said, oh, you guys set the bar really high in the community for parenting. And I said, it's really just about doing the work for yourself. Because when you start to heal your own traumas, when you start to recognize the things that really were traumatic for you, you can't do them to your kids because you're like, oh, that thing had an impact on me. And so the way that we raise our children is a natural outcome of how we live our own lives and how you know we work on our own traumas. And so the conversations that we have with people who have overcome the most difficult life experiences, you know, things like the death of a very close family member, spouse, a parent, things like, you know, um, being sexually abused as a child or as a, a young lady. There's so many things I've seen people overcome incredible adversity and still have incredible, beautiful lives. They still laugh, they still smile, they, they still enjoy being alive. And so knowing that, yeah, sometimes we're going to veer off the highway onto the rumble strips, but we can also get back into flow. And so how do we get back into flow after the breakdown of communication? How do we get back into flow after the difficult, you know, physical energy and sports? How do we get back into flow regardless of what's happening is how we live our life. And so it just naturally is an extension to the children as well. Well, you beautiful, by the way, well, you said something in there, which I really loved, which was doing the work yourself. But I think when you can hold space for your own traumas, you learn how to hold space for another's. But I think most people don't realize that emotional neglect can be little t trauma. There's this word trauma that I think people are like associating with is like, oh, I didn't have a traumatic childhood. Therefore, I so like when they see their kids going through a difficult time, they don't have that lens of compassion because it's like, oh, you have so much. I've given you so much, yada, yada, yada. And so it's almost like shifting the language and the wording around what is trauma. To me, it is like an adverse emotional experience. It was a negative spiral downward that you didn't have the tools to cope with. And it could be anything. It could be being left behind at home. That could be a traumatic experience. Even though you love your kids, you, you, it was an accident, whatever. Like it is something that led to that. And so I think the more we can, as a society, change the narrative around what it means to have a traumatic experience and just reframe it as like emotional neglect. Like if the child sees it as emotional neglect, it matters. And if we can begin to see our own emotional neglect of where we weren't having our needs met in whatever way, I think it creates the grounds for that self-love, which then turns into beautiful love you could share with your families. Well, I think it's even because trauma can be, can happen just when something difficult happens and you were alone to process it. Right. So like I created an, I don't matter belief because I had four big brothers and one of them tossed me out of their room because I wanted to play with them and shut the door and the hallway was dark and I was alone. 
And, you know, I guess other things happen to, you know, support that belief. And I continue to create that, but like, it's being alone to process something. So even it can look so many different ways, like emotional neglect, et cetera, but understanding that you can be doing everything 10 out of 10 and having trauma is part of becoming an adult. It's like, the more, you know, it's kind of hard as a parent. Cause I'm like, shoot, like, was that, was that it? Was that the moment that I installed like yeah. some core belief that we're going to have to unpack? Well, we like, got later? more tools waiting for them when they're of age too, you know? Yeah. So. Well, and back to what you said, Trey, the levels of consciousness, I thought that was really important. Like you withhold certain information based on where they're at. And even that wisdom to allow difficulty and to allow adversity and to allow even if it is like you're doing your best to not instill a belief that doesn't serve them and they're meaning making machines that are going to create whatever meaning they want that their souls told them when they were born, this is the curriculum that you've been born with, unravel it in your own way. And there's, I think there's a wisdom to that too, which I just, you know, I, I appreciate both of you like so much. And, you know, I actually haven't had a chance to like dive deep into your parenting philosophy. Like, cause I don't have kids. So I don't really like, I don't really, it's not like a natural flow of the conversation when we're hanging out. I just, I've always seen the way that you are with your kids and I see how bright and shining your children are, but it's actually really beautiful for me to, peek behind the hood and actually see like see the amalgamation of 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 your own work with everything you've learned with your own stories with the purpose and the way you sh- you express it it's like it's really cool to see it all come together and i i feel like i have a much larger appreciate not that i didn't already appreciate both of you cuz i do but i i really really love you both more than i thought i could just based on your hearts and how it's like, you just are such lovely humans. Like I can't, I can't even right now just with it. Like, <laughs> let's go hang, let's go hang out at Burning Man. Let's, let's, let's go. Yeah. <laughs> let's just keep going down the rabbit hole. Yeah. It's so much fun. And it's just so it's, it's truly a blessing to watch you both grow. When you have your own kid, you know, we're here. I'll tell you all exactly what to do. <laughs> yes, you will. You'll, <laughs> I will boss you around. Auntie Grace. <laughs> tell you. No, you'll totally have to figure I, I, I it. Half of parenting is making it up as you go. I was, kind, I was kind of going to throw that in is like, <laughs> like, you know, it wasn't always this way, you know, even, even our relationship, like, you know, seven year itch and all that. We got about seven years in and there was a lot of transformation that needed to happen. There was a lot of looking at ourselves. And, you know, while I was doing the best I could as a dad at the time, it wasn't like, oh, how do I go be a better parent? It was, how do I make this relationship work? How do I make my career work? How do I make my body work? And so it really is, I, I truly and honestly believe it is, it's looking within and saying, how do I get myself into flow and loving ourself enough to do the work for ourself, not to dismiss our experience and say, oh, well, someone else had it worse than me. So I don't have any work to do. And instead just go to work on whatever there is to be healed. And through that healing, everything else will just find its way into flow. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, for me, it, it really has been two things. It's been a path of hustling 
because I'm an entrepreneur and I come from that mindset and, you know, working hard and producing. And then the other half is healing is saying, you know what? I can't just always be on and in the game. Sometimes I've got to take a reprieve. Sometimes I've got to recover. And so flow, I'll kind of like end it with that is there's four phases of flow. And the first is struggle, right? And so if you're in a place of struggle, that doesn't mean you're wrong. It doesn't mean that Mm -hmm. you're doing something you shouldn't be. You shouldn't be upset about it. It's just the rumble strips, right? And that struggle leads to a release that then leads to flow. But the fourth step, the fourth phase of flow is recovery. It's taking that time. It's taking that rest. It's doing the journey work. It's doing the emotional work. It's taking a nap, taking a vacation. And so I think for a lot of people, the first step is actually, you know what? You've probably just been doing struggle. Let's just back off and recover a little bit. Let's take some time to really get embodied and be with self and heal. And then from that renewed place, go put in the effort, be ready for the struggle, be ready for the challenge, embrace the challenge because it's a challenge worth having rather than resenting the grind or the struggles or the difficulties of life. Mm-hmm. You guys are such great teachers. I just love, I love learning from you both. And, uh, uh, what I appreciate most is like you've studied so many frameworks that even the way you describe that, like there's a framework in it. Mm-hmm. Of course. Yeah. Right. <laughs> like that's, that's the beautiful thing. Even you, 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 you live and breathe and teach in frameworks, which is what I think makes it's you guys in such. our human, like it's, we, it's in another framework that we're frameworks yeah. people. <laughs> our, our, human, our human design says we're both mental models people. So we're yeah, like, okay. Like I think. Barbara, our human designer, I think it's like, we're here to bring mental models to the world. I'm like, shit, what? That's written down right there? Okay. Like, oh my gosh. That's so, I get to embrace it even more. Yeah. So, all right, let's, let's, let's say, all right, people listen to this. They can't wait to learn more from you. How do they learn more from you? Do they just find you on social? Like what's the best way to continue consuming the, the, this is the brilliance of you both. I'm just, I just, just love you both. <laughs> like, so good. We are always doing our best to create rabbit holes. We have an Instagram page that we do together, Trey and Grace on Instagram. There's a little underscore after it. I'm yeah, sure you'll train, share something at some point that, that yeah. to it. So that's kind of, you know, where our philosophy and quick tools, mostly for business, because again, we want to help people get that eight hours a day right so that the rest of life can be in flow. But there's some parenting stuff in there and some relationship stuff as well. And then for people that want to dive deeper down the rabbit hole, uh, our website is Join Ace. We started a company a few years ago called the Academy for Conscious Entrepreneurs, which is really this idea of approaching entrepreneurship with eyes and hearts wide open and using it as a self-development tool. Mm -hmm. Yes, we mean conscious as far as our impact on the planet and people as well, but also purpose. And so Join Ace org. You can find quizzes and workshops and all sorts of stuff we do to really help parents grow their businesses without sacrificing more time at home. I love that. Well, we'll make all of those uh, links available in the show notes. I have a question for each of you individually. And then as the collective, yes. Um, in the midst of everything you're doing, everywhere you've been and everywhere you're going, how do you stay grounded? Mm-hmm. Oh, good question. I think for me, meditation and being with people like my, I've, I've transmuted and worked through so much anxiety and fear in 2021, you know, and still a little bit of that. That's kind of always in this, in the collective, especially right now. So I think 
like really taking care of my nervous system and Trey's taught me a lot. Sometimes I'm in resistance to feeling good first. So walking away from whatever it is and going to meditate, going to be with friends like you. Cuddling, number one. Okay. (laughs) I, I think most of the problems in the world are just a result of a lack of cuddling. So Anyway, okay, that's my answer. <laughs> that's a really good answer. <laughs> the best, you know, I've done two hundred and like almost fifty episodes, so like a lot of conversations. I, I don't think I've ever heard cuddling. This might be the first time, and it's brilliant. It's like it, it, it. I can't even like not like I, I can't real. I can't believe no one said it. Like, and it's perfect that it was you. I'm here for it. <laughs> like. I like, we'll go to an event and I'm like, babe, I think these people need to cuddle more. Like for, I can feel it. They need more cuddling. They're cuddle deprived. Okay. Uh, I got to follow that. Sorry. (laughs) Such a good answer. I usually have to follow you. Fair enough. Good. So staying grounded to me, a lot of the stuff she said, nervous system, regulating activities, being in nature, getting my feet in the grass. You know, we live in a beautiful community here in Utah where I just walk outside and there's ducks on the lake and kids playing. And so sometimes just getting away from the freneticism of life and the speed at which everything's moving. So for me, like staying grounded, you know, first of all, I want to say probably getting grounded because I'm not always there. And so returning to that state of groundedness, a lot of it has to do with being with her. And if I'm not in a good place with her, if we're not flowing, if things aren't working here, the rest of it can burn, right? This is what matters most. And so I I get grounded here first, because if my heart's grounded, then, then everything else can work. And so when we got married, I said, she was my compass. That was the best words I could come up with as a 25 year old. But really I understand it better now is, is she's, she's my ground. And so she really grounds me And then of course the nervous system stuff, exercising, meditating, being in nature, all of that's part of it. But when you have another person who, who can really be that for you, it's so powerful. Yeah. I forgot. I said, you're my ground too. I say that too. I forgot. It's okay. My cuddles, cuddles, don't don't take away from it. All right. Like I'm not, I'm not. Well, I, I love you both. And I'm just, like I said, I am really grateful that I, I selfishly got a chance to learn just so much from you both. I've always just, I just admire you both so much. I love you both so much. And I'm just grateful that we got to do this and so many people got to learn. And for everyone listening, we've got all the show notes, all the links available in the show notes. And that's it. That's we'll it. see you on the playa. on the fly everybody that is a wrap for this week's episode of stay grounded i'm your host raj and this is your new friends trey and grace and from us stay grounded we'll chat soon thanks for joining us today on this episode of stay grounded i hope you found this interview helpful as you create your own ways to live an extraordinary life For more resources and support, please visit www.rajjana.com forward slash stay grounded to join the official Stay Grounded Facebook group, a place where aspiring life enthusiasts can connect and ignite passion for life together. My hope is that the positivity, content, resources, and support in this group will resonate with you on a deeper level. That what you hear in our podcast 
Read in our thoughtful posts or learn in our courses will empower you to live with intention, uncover true purpose, and challenge the internal dialogues that stop you from being who you really want to be in your life. Again, thanks so much for joining us. Stay grounded.